Our Bible reading this morning is from Genesis chapter 17. If you're using the Bibles in front of you, that's on page 17. If you're using your phone, over to you. <laughs> so, Genesis chapter 17, and we're starting at verse 15, and then we'll go on into chapter 18. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her, and I will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. And then moving down to chapter 18, verse 1. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I found favour in your eyes, my lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sears of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, He stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. Thank you. It's a very compelling reading, that, isn't it? Good morning, everybody. We're in a series in the life of Abraham, and you may have noticed that we're not covering every verse. It'd be difficult to get the series in before Christmas, which is fast coming upon us. But today we've come to the point where um, God is responding 
to Abraham and Sarah's attempt to shortcut the promises of God. Go and sleep with my, my servant Hagar. And Abraham did. He took things into his own hands. But God now comes and he reaffirms the promises to Abraham and Sarah that they will have a son. You're going to need to, to have your Bibles today or your phones or whatever because we, we will skip around a little bit. Um, I'm not going to talk about the covenant of circumcision, but in chapter 17, there are lots of new names given. The first name is name that God takes on in chapter 17, uh, verse 1. I am El Shaddai, God Almighty, the God who is able to do anything, the God who makes things happen. And then he changes Abram's name to Abraham which is like daddy to big daddy, and um, uh, Sarah's name from princess to, to mother of, of nations. And he says, your son will be called Isaac, laughter. Now, I'm not sure we were laughing, Anne and I, when we saw the blue line on the pregnancy test. Child number four. <laughs> but uh, Isaac has brought lots of laughter to our lives. I think uh, about uh, 11 years ago when we were on holiday in Wales and the weather was like this all week, uh, typical for, for Wales, but there was nothing to do except go to the swimming pool. We were right on the coast and the swimming pool was miles away. We were with another family and it took us ages to get to the swimming pool and the mums decided it would be good if the two dads took the seven kids swimming. <laughs> After about... Uh, 10 minutes of trying to get all these children changed, Isaac totally disappeared. And um, I couldn't find him anywhere. And I was get, starting to get worried, where is he? And then Isaac comes in totally naked, <laughs> running into the changing room, and the lifeguard, beetroot red, comes in after him, says, he ran 10 laps of the pool totally naked. <laughs> we just creased up. <clears throat> well, I want to tell you how uh, the Isaac in the Bible brought laughter to a cynical soul. In Genesis 21, which we didn't read, verse 6, we find Sarah laughing because her only child was born when she was 90 years old. Now, this whole story about Isaac is a clue to who God is and what he's done. Verse 6 of 21 goes like this. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. We've actually got three types of laughing. The first kind of laughter is the laughter of scoffing. Now, the promise of a son goes back, doesn't it, to chapter 12, which we looked at now at the beginning of October, or middle of September, where God, was called, God called Abraham to leave his country and go to the land that he would show him. Chapter 12, verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. Now, when Abraham and Sarah received that promise, they rejoiced because at that time, a woman's ability to bear children was, was linked to her worth. But what happens to the next, for the next nine chapters is that God keeps giving the promise, but this son is not materializing. 
But here in chapter 17, God renews his promise again. As for Sarah, your wife, you're no longer to call her Sarai, she'll be Sarah. I will bless her and I will surely give you a son by her and I will bless her and she will be the mother of nations and kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell face down and laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? And will, and will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? This wasn't joyous laughter. It was the laughter of cynicism. He was struggling to believe this now. And we see from the text that Val read to us in chapter 18 that three visitors, mysterious uh, angels, possibly the Lord Jesus in his pre-incarnate form, come to the tent of Abraham. And there were the customs of modesty at the time uh, that, you know, they needed to provide hospitality and Sarah was behind in the tent preparing a meal for these visitors. And the visitors say, I'm going to return this time next year and Sarah will have a son. And the text says, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent Abraham and Sarah were already very old, verse 11, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing, so Sarah laughed to herself. After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, is he even going to sleep with me? Will I now have this pleasure? After I'm worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? That old promise? It's a little late for that, isn't it? Perhaps she's trying to defend herself from hope. Now, folks, lots of people today laugh at the idea of life after death. People can stretch, perhaps, to believing in a God of love, but by and large, people re reject the idea of a creator God who could be born as a human being. And the fact that he's revealed in Scripture, <laughs> ridiculous. I was talking to a, a solicitor uh, last week who was astonished astonished that I believed the Bible, that I could believe this thing that surely was so fabricated. But the reason that people disbelieve is not so much that the promises are too little, but that they're too much. The gospel tells us death has been conquered, that Jesus says, I am the first and the last, I hold the keys of death and Hades. And the gospel also tells us that the world that we all want is out there. The world which contains everything that you desire and more is out there, but there's a barrier between you and that world. But the gospel says that in spite of that barrier and in spite of all our flaws and in spite of the way we treat each other and the way we treat God, someone has made a hole in that wall and there is access to that kingdom through faith. And the only qualification is to admit that you don't qualify, but to trust in the one who does qualify you. But what we do in our generation is we pride ourselves on witty cynicism. Witty atheism is really cool, especially among comedians. Talking about God, really uncool. One newspaper columnist, Naomi Wolf, wrote a few years ago that we're all 13-year-olds inside. 
Are there any 13-year-olds here this morning? <laughs> no. Few. Okay. <laughs> My son, Isaac, will be 13 in a few weeks' time. And I can tell you something about a 13-year-old. A 13-year-old smirks cynically at everything. Oh, yes, they do. I've been a teacher for eight years, teaching 13-year-olds. In fact, what do parents get out of parenthood? Oh, they get love for 10 to 13 years. <laughs> and then you get grumpiness and resentment for the next five years. And then in their 20s, they start loving you again, depending on how much money you give them. Right? <laughs> but why does a 13-year-old smirk at everything? He doesn't want to open up to the vulnerability of hope, so he laughs at everything with a scoffing kind of laughter. But as we're laughing here now, what does it mean to be British? Akira, let me tell you something about the British. The British are cynical people. Yes, they are. Much more cynical than hopeful. It's the other way around with Americans, in my experience. And our laughter as British people is often the laughter of scoffing and cynicism rather than joy. This, I think, is the point where Abraham and Sarah are up to in the story. But if we jump ahead, we're going to see another kind of laughter. And this is the wild laughter of addiction. We didn't read this, but if you want to flick to chapter 21, verse 8, actually Richard Blake did uh, speak on this last week. But here Isaac has been weaned, he stopped uh, being breastfed, and um, Abraham uh, is feasting, and you can imagine the family of Abraham in the cool of the day in their encampment in these trees of Mamre near Hebron, kicking back and enjoying themselves and laughing and doting over their little son who's star of the show, and then something interrupts this family tranquility. Ishmael, the half-brother, the 13-year-old, scoffing at Isaac, making fun of him, bullying him. And Sarah flies off the handle, verse 9. Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son. That woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son, Isaac. Seems like Sarah had been doting excessively so that it turned to rage. Isaac was the apple of her eye, the light of her life. And Ishmael's making fun of him in a 13-year-old kind of way. And she flies off the handle. But Abraham too. Next chapter, chapter 22. God tests Abraham and said, Take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac. Go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. What the heck? Somebody else is going to preach on that. But... What I think has happened is that they've taken Isaac, they've made him the center of their lives, and their laughter was the laughter of addiction and fixation. Isaac, rather than God, had become the light of their lives, 
the hope and the joy of their hearts. Of course, this wasn't really laughter. The first kind of laughter was filled with fear. The second kind of laughter causes them to turn to rage and terror very quickly. The trouble is, if your children become the savior of your souls and the light of your eyes, you can be so worried about your children's approval that you make one of two mistakes. Number one, you give them everything they want. You spoil them to death. You under-discipline them. Or number two, you build your life around your child to the extent that you want them to realize all the hopes and dreams of, of you. And so you over-discipline them and your child grows up thinking that unless they're academically brilliant and successful or beautiful or athletic or something, you don't love them. Maybe your life flashed before your eyes as I said that. Let me bring you some good news. Let's turn to the laughter of grace. This is what we all want and need and which is the hub of this story. Genesis 18, verse 10. One of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed as she thought, after I'm worn out and old, will I now have this pleasure? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did... Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and you will, Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I didn't laugh. But he said, yes, you did, actually. The Lord said, why did you laugh? I didn't laugh. Oh, but you did. God wants it on record why did Sarah laugh when I said this? Is anything too hard for the Lord, literally? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? See, Sarah's mistake is she couldn't wonder. The wonderful thing about little children is that little children wonder. We're going to see the ducks today. Woohoo! the ducks! Amazing! Take them to an open field. They run around joyfully, sometimes, anyway. <laughs> Tell them a story. Oh, they're gripped by the story. Take a 13-year-old to the greatest sporting event ever. How was that? And it was all right. <laughs> we live in a wonder-killing generation. But we try to seal this wonder in our movies, in our theater, in our songs. Anne and I went to see The Color Purple at the Mayflower last week. It was fantastic. <laughs> Even if it was all about lesbianism and incest. But it, the songs were amazing. See what I mean about cynicism. <laughs> Think of our nation's favorite books and films, Harry Potter, Star Wars, Avatar, James Bond. We love these movies because we want to be filled with wonder. And the gospel story is a story of wonder from which all other stories take their cue. There is a God of stupendous power, El Shaddai. There is an impossible situation that human beings that he has created are in bondage to sin, lost, without hope and without God in the world. But there's a hero 
a heroic key, the son of promise, who brings laughter and joy to the world by bringing in the kingdom that we all yearn for and sense that is there. That's why his first miracle was turning water into wine that we sung about earlier, because he's the joy bringer, the one whose calling card is, I've come to bring joy to the world. There are three kinds of responses to this story of stories. The cynic who laughs and ridiculous, these fairy stories. The fool who says, well, that's a nice story, but I, I can save myself. I'm good enough. I don't need that. I can have a successful career. I can make it myself. And then there's the person who responds in wonder. And can it be that I should gain an interest in his blood? How wonderful, how marvelous. Oh, my soul shall ever sing. The first Isaac was born with a very old husband. The second Isaac was born with no husband. The angel repeated this phrase in the Christmas story that we'll look at it in a few weeks. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? The Lord wants us to get over our cynical laughter and our foolish laughter, and he wants to bring us true gospel laughter, true gospel joy. To get that, we need to believe the truth. And we need to take our hearts off all the other Isaacs that we have in our lives. How can it be that I should gain an interest in his blood? It can be because the true father took the true Isaac up the mountain. And when the dagger was over his head in the darkness of Calvary, there was nobody to say stop. Jesus felt the father's frown so you can have laughter. And that's what God wants you to have grace and peace and joy, even in the midst of very sad circumstances sometimes. Our laughter can be transformed from a nervous, bitter laughter to a laughter of wonder and joy. This is what happened to Sarah in chapter 21. And there are a couple of characteristics of gospel laughter. Number one, gospel laughter comes when a Christian maintains a wonder at his salvation. It is comedic, comedy, to think of a 90-year-old breastfeeding. And there's something comedic about being a Christian. Sarah says, who would have thought this would have happened to me? Everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And the difference between a religious person and a gospel person is this. The gospel person thinks, who would have ever thought that I could be a Christian? that God would ever save me and use me. When you ask a, a religious person, are you a Christian? Yeah, of course I'm a Christian. I've always been a Christian, of course. For a true Christian, there's no of course about it, is there? Even in the very sad times of our lives, there is a joyous hope that is our anchor that is because we have a joyous God and a joyous Savior. Zephaniah says that, that he rejoices over us with singing. And there are times where we need to mourn and there are times where it's appropriate to shed tears and express deep sadness. But all this is in the context 
of joy. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Let's have a time of quiet. Let's open our hearts so that we can laugh with the laughter of faith. Maybe you feel particularly broken this morning or particularly sinful. You've messed things up this week, said things you shouldn't have said, done things you shouldn't have done. The gospel says you're forgiven. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive you. Jesus says there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 that don't need to repent. Lord, would you open our hearts so that we can laugh the laughter of faith. Amen.